Ask any Italian where they come from, and chances are they'll start with what's special about their hometown, and maybe the region it's in. The Italy we know of today was only united in 1861, after centuries of being a collection of city-states and independent regions dating back to the Etruscans and the Roman Empire. But let's set our focus on the region of hillside villages and vineyards in the center of Italy, the places that stoke our fantasies about breaking away to the Italian countryside. You'll have heard of Tuscany. It's a big administrative region that includes the Renaissance cities of Florence and Siena. Its neighbor, Umbria, features such towns as Assisi and Orvieto. And nearby Lazio, it's dominated by the big capital, Rome. Cecilia Botai was born in Tuscany. Raised at her family's winery estate in Umbria, which she still manages, and maintains an apartment in Rome. She's been a tour guide in these regions for years and joins us now on Travel with Rick Steves to help you enjoy the heart of Italy. We're at 877-333-7425 or by email, it's radio at ricksteves.com. Cecilia, thanks for being here. Thanks for inviting me. Cecilia, first of all, when you talk about the states of Italy, is it states or regions or provinces or what do you say? We call them regions, but when you say Italy, I think that is uh, quite recent. What I like to call my country is the United States of Italy, because actually we are not unified, mentally speaking, traditionally speaking, but we get united when we go abroad. There we are Italians. When we are in Italy, we are from Umbria, from Florence, and even within the regions, there is a big competition what is best. There's a famous saying, I mean, when when Italy was finally united, all these disparate states and regions and little kingdoms, 1870 or whatever, when Italy was finally united, we've created Italy, but now we have to create Italians. And 145 years later, they're still working on it. Yes, absolutely. So if you're talking about Umbria, Tuscany, and Lazio, you've got a connection with all three of these regions. How would you distinguish these three regions of Italy? I would say that Tuscany is probably what we know as the most sophisticated one. Umbria is, I would call it, the most genuine and lives in the shadows of Tuscany. And Lazio is uh, still living in the shadow in some parts, except for Rome, which is well known, and still very genuine. But even the personality of the people is very different because we have a too strong and long history not to affect our personalities and traditions and ways of living. Also, the, the, the country, the land, is made in a way that makes us live in a certain way. Think of Umbria. We have many places called Gualdo something, Gualdo Tadino, Gualdo Cataneo. It comes from Wald, which is a German word that means valley. Ah. So in the past, when you didn't have roads, if you had to cross a valley, you wouldn't do it. So you were quite isolated. So this is why they have a more... Uh, sort of rustic and, rustic, and isolated I would, feeling. More rustic is not the right word. More isolated personality. Okay. Also, Umbria is very strong in Etruscan tradition. The Umbrians are half Etruscans. Now, Umbria is landlocked, right? So is there yes. no, there's no coastal area. So you're a little more isolated that way and a little more of the... Absolutely. Uh, it's called the green heart of Italy. Okay. Now, is there? I understand there's a historical border there, too, because... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought like Tuscany was historically part of the uh, Holy Roman Empire and 
Umbria was part of the Vatican states? Uh, absolutely, yes. Part of Umbria was added to Italy later because the unification of Italy is 1861 and 10 years later, the Vatican states added to Italy, ah. to the United States of Italy. So this is why we have also differences. Is there a proverb or some folk wisdom that illustrates the differences between the people in Tuscany, Umbria and Lazio? Well, absolutely. You know, in Italy we speak with proverbs, especially in the, in the center and in Naples. One that I like very much from Toscany says in Italian, le querce non fanno limoni, an oak tree can't make a lemon. We use it when you have someone who's not very smart and you can't expect the person to do something smart. So you say, you know, an oak tree can't make a lemon. This is because the Toscany people are very sarcastic. Think of the Dante and the Divine Comedy. So we say you can't get blood out of a turnip and you say an oak tree, tree can't you make, make a lemon. A lemon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in Umbria. Umbria is people are more quiet. It's like if you refer to people like cars, it's diesel people. So they do everything very solid but slowly, not very <laughs> quick. So it says that l'ottimo è il nemico del buono. The excellent is the biggest enemy of the good. So when you get something well done or something good, don't stress yourself to get more. Sometimes so, so you good destroy. Good enough is good enough. Yeah. And the other one is from Lazio. And you know that people in Lazio are very much influenced by their Roman history. And the Romans liked to enjoy life. And it says, Chi ha un comodo e non se ne serve, non trova un confessore che la solve. The translation would be, Who has something nice, comfy, enjoyable, and does not use it, will never be forgiven by a confessor. Because if you have something nice given by heaven, use it and enjoy life. This tells the personality of the people. Very sarcastic Tuscany people, very solid and slow Umbrian people, and very enjoying life people from Lazio. So, enjoying life but still religious. Yes, but enjoying life. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We are speaking with Cecilia Botai as we do every week for one hour. We're exploring other parts of the world and gaining an insight into different cultures. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Alice is calling in from Carlsbad in California. Alice, do you have a comment for Cecilia? Well, I, uh, I spent a lot of time in um, Italy, and uh, we really liked Umbria. It's so green and beautiful. We traveled to Lago Trasimeno and Tanacali and Gubbio and um, Todi and Norcia. Norcia is kind of the port capital, and that's an interesting place. But uh, we really enjoy Umbria and Lazio. I'm getting some thumbs up from uh, Cecilia on the places you liked. <laughs> Cecilia, if you are thinking of some special things to be sure to see and do in Umbria, what are the top four or five attractions? Well, Assisi is a must. Because when we think of Assisi, we think of art mm-hmm. and a kind of religion that changed the mentality of the people. So that's important. Okay. Uh, another one is Castelluccio di Norcia. It's a place that is very remote and it's the headquarter for hand later in the entire uh, Europe. Hand what? Hand glider. Delta Plano. It's kind of sports. Oh, oh hang gliders. Hand gliders, oh, sorry. Oh, really? Now this is Norcia, N-O-R-C-I-A. Castelluccio di Norcia. It's 10 miles north of Norcia, and it's fantastic. So you should do that. Orvieto, absolutely. You have to do it. The cathedral with the frescoes in the basilica, which is fabulous. Mm. And if we're talking about close to Umbria, but not in Umbria, Civita di Bagnoregio. 
this that is, is something that's we love. a must. It's just over the border in Lazio. Over the border. And yeah. I, I should mention, Cecilia Botai has a beautiful family farm where they make some beautiful Orvieto Classico wine in a home that has ancient cellars underneath that have been storing wine for centuries. And we'll leave Cecilia's uh, information in our website about this show. Alice, thanks for your call. Okay, thank you. And Mike's on the line in Johns Creek, Georgia. Mike, thanks for your call. Sure. I have a question. Uh, my wife and I would like to spend a week in the countryside in Italy somewhere. It sounds like Tuscany or uh, Umbria or Lazio would all be good choices. And we'd like to know, we'd like to stay a, a week maybe in two cities or towns and then kind of drive out and see things and come back, but basically have a headquarters so we don't have to move every day and can kind of get a feel for the town and the people and so forth. So you're wondering what a good home base is for touring yes. Umbria? In Umbria or uh, Tuscany. Because those are quite small areas, and uh, the distances, it takes a while because the roads are windy and there's a lot of hill towns. But if you have a rental car and stay in an agriturismo, you have a world of opportunities. And there are some great agriturismos, and then you can explore all these beautiful uh, hill towns and vineyards and so on. Cecilia, any ideas on that? Well, you know, the, the main thing is that there are many nice places. You could probably look for a place that is close to a highway because you can go very easily from one place to another, but not too close because you want to have the feeling of the place. Or a hill town that could be either Orvieto or Todi, even Perugia, that is less famous, but it's still a very important city in Umbria, has good connections, has lots to see, and you can go easily to Toscana from there or to the heart of Umbria. So it's just a matter of how you feel like being surrounded by the green or by a smaller city. It's up to you. And the nice thing is, Mike, to remember is that if you have that rental car, really, it's one place I would highly recommend the rental car because driving is easy. You've got the, the cypress trees and the rolling hills and sparse traffic when you, when you stay away from the big cities and frustrating public transportation when you want to get from little town to little town. So make a home base. Enjoy an agriturismo. Remember, an agriturismo is a working farm that rents out rooms to travelers. It can't be called an agriturismo unless it's actually a working farm. And it gives you a very good salt-of-the-earth intimacy with the traditional culture there. Right. What would be good months to visit? Well, I would do the off-season. So if you do the second half of October or you do March, that is already very good to me. It's not never too cold there. And you get real the real feeling, the real soul of this region. So... That is my personal recommendation. And it can be uncomfortably hot in the middle of the summer. If so. you come July, you can really be in a, like a spa outside where they make <laughs> you do the Turkish bath. So don't do, we don't have that much air conditioning system in Italy as you have in the States. There you go, Mike. Excellent. Thank you very much. And happy travels. Thanks for your call. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're speaking with Cecilia Botai about three regions of Italy, Tuscany, Umbria, and Lazio. Robert is on the line from Glenfield in Illinois. Robert, thanks for your call. Yes, good to talk to you, Rick. Uh, I, I had a question about uh, tips on navigating the back roads. Uh, uh, there aren't as many road signs in uh, Italy, especially once you get off the autostrada as there are in the States. And I've also found that my, my Garmin gets totally confused most of the time in, uh, in Italy, and I was wondering what recommendations uh, you might have. Well, uh, just let's say that Italy is famous for many things, art, food, not so much for organization. So this is a way of training people not to get lost, getting lost. That means you get lost, you enjoy the landscapes. So uh, So you're saying you're going to get lost, just enjoy it? Uh, <laughs> 
basically, if you put into the navigation system the name of my family's winery, you get to my brother's home. We still <laughs> don't know why. It's in the winery, but it's not on the main... So uh, this is built into the GPS systems where it's really not very good for this part of, of Europe for some reason, huh? Yeah. Uh, so buy, buy a good map and rely on the map? You buy a good map, rely on the map. Hmm. I, I agree with you that indication is not that strong in Italy, but enjoy it. That, that's all I can say. So GPS is a little behind the times in this part of Europe, I guess, Robert. Okay, thank you. There are good maps, and uh, as Cecilia said, this is a good chance. If you got the mobility of a car, it's a great thing to, to actually find yourself in little towns that have never seen a tourist. Or ask the people. Or, I know that in Italy, we mostly speak with hands. So if, if they don't speak English, but you tell give them the name of the place where you want to go or the town you want to reach, they will just explain you using the hands, and I promise, 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 you'll make it. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about Umbria, we're talking about Lazio, and we're talking a little bit about Tuscany. These are the regions between Florence and Rome, basically. We're joined by Cecilia Botai. Cecilia, when you think about Lazio, Lazio, of course, it's Rome, but if you want to get out of Lazio, it's famous for Etruscan sites. What are a couple of Etruscan sites that you could see in Lazio? For sure, the most important one is Tarquinia, where you have a, a, we call it cemetery, but it's a necropolis that is just fabulous. So a necropolis. This necropolis. is a, a city of the dead. And these the city are of incredible. The dead. And people need to remember the Etruscans were thriving in this part of Italy 500 years before Christ. Even even before Even then. before that. Yeah. Orvieto has an amazing necropolis. It and has. Uh, So if you're just going to go to Orvieto and you want to get a dose of this Etruscan uh, cemetery magnificence, go to the uh, necropolis at the base of the hills of Orvieto. But the very best, the most famous, Tarquinia. Also, uh, Cerveteri, what is it? Cerveteri. It's another very beautiful one. Uh, the one in Tarquinia has frescoed tombs. And if you look at the wines from uh, Tenuta Levelette, one of the labels has a fresco that comes from a tomb in Tarquinia. I didn't know that. That's, that's your family winery, Tenuta La Veletta. And you, you use uh, the Etruscan 500 BC frescoes from Tarquinia on your label. On one label, yes, on, on one Whoa. of the wines. Now, if you side trip from Rome into Lazio, of course, you've got Tivoli, the sort of uh, playground of Emperor Hadrian. Yes. Villa d'Esta, which is all of the fanciful fountains. You've got the Pope's uh, little escape. Where does the Pope go when he wants a break from Rome? Uh, nowadays, or in the past, you mean Castel, Gand Castel Gandolfo? Gandolfo. Is that interesting for tourists, or do you need to be a cardinal to enjoy Castel Gandolfo? No, it's interesting. It's beautiful. Uh, probably not the place where I would go because it's not that uh, big. Uh -huh. But there are other places I would visit if I would like to have an escape, like Viterbo, oh, that yeah. used to be a Pope's headquarter. And it's a city that is surrounded by walls that if you drive around them, you still have the impression there is a horse coming <laughs> from the walls because it's so well kept. It's medieval. It's just fantastic. Viterbo, V-I-T-E-R-B-O, I believe. And if you're cruising the Mediterranean and your ship docks in Civitavecchia, that's just a short train ride away from Rome. And from Civitavecchia also, you can pick up a rental car and explore Lazio. Absolutely. You can also go see the gardens of Villalante that are very, very interesting to see. Toscan Garden, but in Lazio. And even this part of the country has remained very genuine. That is important. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves, and we've been traveling across Italy with Cecilia Botai. Cecilia produces a beautiful white wine at her family farm near Orvieto, Tenuta La Valletta, 
And Cecilia, uh, apart from talking about your family's wine, if you're thinking about wine in Tuscany or Umbria or Lazio, tell us three wines, one for each region, that would be interesting for us to have on our list when we're traveling. Well, uh, maybe you could have the Sagrantino di Montefalco, that is Umbria. Uh, you could have also the Nobile di Montepulciano, which is Tuscany. And uh, in Lazio, well, there is the Est, Est, Est from Montefiascone. Okay, Est, Est, Est. That's a fun one to remember, and that's from the, the region around Rome. We all know Brunello di Montalcino, and you know, when you have a famous name, you can charge a lot of extra money for it, but the Nobile di Montalcino, that's a better value, I think, for the same... Nobile di Montepulciano is a better value, and when we talk about wines, uh, I always insist on that with the people. And then when I'm in Umbria, I love the Sagrantino. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not just the style of the wine that makes it good, it's who makes the wine that is important. But these three are quite important in the tradition of the country. Typical of those regions. Typical of those regions, good yeah. Good memories. Cecilia Botai, thank you so much for reminding us so vividly that there's more to Italy than just our generic Italian images, but that every region has its own personality. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about this country. And remember, whenever you will travel to Italy, you are traveling into the United States of Italy. Mille grazie and buon viaggio per tutti. Grazie. Hey, I'm Rick Steves. You can experience my favorite European people, places, and stories in my newest book, For the Love of Europe. Order your copy today at ricksteves.com. <laughs>